Broadcasting live from the offices of policebackground.net. This is the Police Applicant Podcast with your host, Ken Royball. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Police Applicant Podcast. This is episode 22, and uh, this is our second podcast with our new co-host, Minerva. How are you today, I'm definitely Minerva? more awake today. You're so more I'm definitely awake. more excited than and the last episode. <laughs> I'm more asleep. <laughs> so that works out. Uh, Minerva made me get up early today because we had a, a little conflict in uh, in schedule. So um, I had to get up early and it's only it's only nine o'clock, but I'm crying because I, I normally I'm a night owl. I'm just such a night owl, but that's the way it yeah, goes. You're a retiree, but you <laughs> know, that's working folks. I don't, I don't need to get up early. <laughs> I don't need to get up early. But uh, here we are in episode 22. We got a couple of, uh, of things we got to talk about. Uh, one is um, uh, we've mentioned before people can, can uh, support the podcast, and we got a donation from Melissa D. Uh, and uh, we want to shout out to Melissa. Thank you so much for your generous donation. It means a lot. It helps us a lot, guys. Uh, when you donate on, at the... Uh, at the bottom of each uh, of each podcast episode, moving forward, we have a link. You can go there. You can you can donate uh, one time. You can donate on an ongoing basis, and so both links are there. But thank you so much, Melissa, for that. Also, this is a, this is a tough announcement to make uh, about a sheriff's deputy, Deputy Andrew Myers, passed away. Los Angeles County Deputy Andrew Myers passed away October twentieth in Ontario from. Uh, COVID-19. And uh, Deputy Myers was a 23-year veteran of the Sheriff's Department, and he uh, was 51 years old. Uh, He leaves behind his wife, Jennifer, and uh, five children. The reason this is significant to the podcast is that you guys don't know it, but Jen Myers was the guest for episode 15 of the podcast, I Am Blue Line Family. And so our hearts go out to the Myers family and we're supporting them in every way we can. Jen's handling it, handling it as best she can. So we just wanted to, to mention that uh, one of our Blue Line family members and a podcast guest lost, uh, lost uh, her husband. With that, we can, uh, we'll just move forward into the podcast. Today's podcast is kind of cool. I think it's going to be a pretty cool podcast. I agree. <laughs> I'm excited about it. <laughs> this, uh, this podcast, uh, you guys have been asking for this episode for, for a little bit. And uh, a lot of times I get questions, Minerva, about what happens What happens when uh, a background investigator gets the file. In other words, how does the background investigation go? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm like, oh, man. I mean, because candidates will, will contact me and say, my, my background investigator did this. What does that mean? My background investigator contacted so-and-so. Does, does that mean we're almost done? And I'm like, uh, like that's... It's this mysterious thing. It, it is. Like- but each background investigator, the reason this is going to be a cool episode is because each background investigator does things completely differently. There's no specific time frame for the, for the background investigators to do different parts of the investigation. And just a quick, a quick for instance, I, I always did my meet and greet interviews mm-hmm. at the beginning. Some Background investigators want to do the whole thing and find out too. Yeah, everything there is. And then they do the mean greet at the end. 
So we'll talk about that a little bit. Oh, I know. But, uh, and Minerva and I didn't, I didn't talk. Mind at the beginning. I want you to tell me. And then- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Minerva and I specifically. I, I want to know before I have to do all the all the legwork. <laughs> uh, we didn't talk about this before <laughs> before we decided to do this episode because I want to find out what you do, Minerva, and how you do your backgrounds, because there's no right or wrong way to conduct the background investigation. So you're right. So I would get a package, and so I would get the PHS, the personal history statement, and. One of the first things I would do is review it. I want to see, okay, what are the red flags that are going to stand out? You know, I'm also looking at, please type your PHSs at this time <laughs> and date. There's no reason why you should be handwriting these because some of, some people just don't have legible writing. So please type it. Mm. Okay. I took the time 20 some years ago to type it on a brother's typewriter. <laughs> you know 20 some years ago. To try and get it on the... <laughs> To try and get it on the, you know, right, the letters right on the line. <laughs> and, you know, so nowadays it's all, you know, computerized. There's absolutely no reason why people shouldn't be typing this. Um, I would also make sure that people had full addresses and names mm-hmm. to their references, their employers, their residences. Uh, because you know what? It's not my job to get that information. <laughs> it's the candidate's job to provide that. It's asking you to provide it. Therefore, it's your job to provide that information. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, the fa- the very first thing I would do is just go through the PHS, which is, I don't know, about 20-some pages long. And if there was anything that would stand out, then I would kind of make a note of it. Because I definitely want to hit that during the meet and greet or the background interview. Mm-hmm. And um, any other forms, like that they provide their birth certificates, you know, all the forms that are required by post, you know, if you're married, your marriage certificate, divorce or divorce decree, your DD-214 for those in the military. So I want to make sure I have everything, make a list of what I don't have. And um, yeah, then I set up an interview. I usually would email my candidate be like, hey, I've been assigned as your background investigator. Uh, please give me a call or respond to this email and it. And I would give them a few dates. These are the dates I have available to conduct a background investigation. Let me know which date works for you with the time. And then we would say, I'm going to try to give them enough time to notify their employer, if, you know, and take some time off. But I also, what I would do, because sometimes you get multiple packages at one time, I would definitely look at who are my, my more viable candidates, which means they had less red flags. <laughs> so I can complete those backgrounds a lot sooner and put the people that had a little more issues kind of to the side. And I would get to those, you know, at some point, not too far away, but I would definitely take care of the people that have less issues. I mean, if you have somebody who's like 21 years old and they've really just been to high school and college and had like one job, that's going to be a lot easier than somebody who's like in their late twenties has had multiple jobs, multiple residences. It's going to take a little more time. Mm-hmm. So the so the really the first thing that background investigators do is they're going to look at your at your PHS, and if you have if your if your agency has a PIQ, they're going to look at that, and uh, and that what are they going to look for? They're going to look for red flags and DQ issues, because I mean it stands to reason if you get a file and you go through the whole thing and then you go do all the work. And then it turns out there was a DQ in the file from the PHS right out the gate. You just wasted all kinds of time. 
So background investigators are generally going to look at your file and look for for DQ issues because that's that's where that's where the background will stop. And just because a background investigator gets yeah. your file doesn't mean that it, it's not a DQ. So that's a, that's the first thing. And then yeah. uh, and, you know different agencies have different standards. Yeah, and that's important to note yeah. too. So you know they have different standards. Yeah. So different agencies have different standards. So. One agency may be a little more lenient with drug usage where another mm -hmm. agency may not. And based on the information you provided, you might just get DQ'd on the spot. Whereas yeah. another agency will still want the investigator to go out and continue doing a background investigation and try to get a little more information yeah. as to, you know, drug use. And just for this example. And there are some agencies that they, they do things completely differently. I know there's an Orange County agency. That they, they, they do like a preliminary, maybe 10 questions you get on a, a questionnaire. And then they'll interview you based on those 10 questions. And if and those are actually going to be DQ questions. And then if you don't pass one of those questions, then you don't even get a PHS. There are some agencies that give you a PHS and then they DQ you out of the PHS interview. And uh, there are some agencies that kind of that go like, true. like you say, some agencies will get the information. They go, ah, oh, you know what? We're going to go ahead and, and, and give it to the BI for them to follow up. So just mm -hmm. getting a PHS and filling it out. But you made a point. I was just thinking about this, too. There were on, <laughs> on PHSs, man, I mean, the, some, of the, some of the PHSs were just horrible. They were just so <laughs> terrible the way they wrote them. I mean, you couldn't read them, Minerva. Yes, and that's why... I know. And, you know, OK, so, you know, I work for Glendale PD and Glendale PD was one of those agencies where we would give like a preliminary questionnaire, had about, I don't know, 10, 15 questions. And at the time we're talking about back in 2007 ish, oh my gosh. Um, Glendale PD had a tattoo policy. You couldn't have a tattoo. So none. Um, if you had a tattoo that was visible, that was at an automatically disqualification. And we would say it was when we would have to, as a background investigator there, we were involved with pretty much every process of the testing pro of the hiring process. So we would be, we, we would go to the, to the written exam and we would talk and, and we would have like 500 people show up and we were only hiring like two or three people. <laughs> So, and we would tell mm -hmm. people right in front, like, hey, if you have tattoos that are visible with a short sleeve, you might as well just leave now. Mm. And, you know, some people would leave, you know, and I don't know if things have changed because now tattoos are a lot more <clears throat> common than they were before. Yeah. Then we would give out this questionnaire, we, you know, they would fill it out. And just in the written tests, you'd have five, 50 percent of the candidates would you would lose them because they wouldn't pass. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so every process, you kind of lost 50 percent of the people that were left. Then you had the physical agility test and uh, the physical agility test for Glendale was, you know, you had to run like I think a mile and a half under like 10 minutes or something like that. Under 15, 13 minutes, you had to do like 50 push ups, 50 sit ups. And if you didn't pass that, well, OK, you're out. Mm -hmm. That's it. <laughs> you know, so that's another 50 percent of people. And then you get it. We mail you you go to your oral interview, actually. So you go to the interview and then, you know, you get ranked and then they, they choose, OK, we're going to hire this many people. So we're only going to let's say they're only going to hire three people. OK, so we're only going to do the top 20 people on the list, mm -hmm. you know, and from there, another about 50 percent get weed out just on backgrounds alone. So it just 
you know, it's a weeding out process. But like I said, you know, also the same thing. They had a questionnaire. If there was an issue with one one of those, they wouldn't even, that's it. We wouldn't even send a PHS to them. Mm. Now, LAPD is a lot different, right? It's a bigger agency. You guys, you know, they hire, I mean, they wanted to have classes every month. Mm -hmm. So you had a lot more people and they just, you know, send PHSs to everybody who comes in. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And getting back to the PHS, so, what are the things that we're looking at for red flags? So there's narco, there's alcohol use, driving. We look at your your high school and college transcripts because... Credit. credit. Yeah. And like we said before, credit with the high school and college transcripts, your high school transcripts a lot of times will com- contain uh, discipline. And uh, like if you got yes. detention or suspensions, so it behooves you to get a copy of your of your high school transcripts, open the open one of them and see if they have a disciplinary history. Because I can't tell you how many times that we've gotten high school transcripts and they go, there were there were three suspensions here, a detention. How come you didn't tell us about it? Oh, I forgot. That's not going to cut it. I'm sorry. Reminds me of another point, Ken. Because yes. you know, uh, candidates are given like three like an essay portion of the written exam, right? And they have to write like a, you know, I'll ask a question like what what has been like, what's your greatest weakness and what have you done to improve it? Right. So they have to write this essay. And we also look at their writing skills, right? <laughs> police reports. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. these police reports may eventually make it to court. And, you know, sometimes these police reports get blown up so everybody in the courthouse can see it. And so you need to be able to have to write, you know, mm-hmm. a complete sentence, a paragraph, a story. <laughs> So that's another thing that I would pay attention. Grammar, spell, you know, spelling. Can this person write a complete sentence? Can they (laughs) articulate what they're trying to say? Mm -hmm. Now, you know, that's not a decuable thing, but that is something that you can bring to their attention. Like, hey, you know, you may consider taking a writing class because you are going to be graded on that in the academy. And later on, when you're in training, if you you know, make it to the training phase of the higher, of being out on patrol. Right. Right. And we were talking about high school transcripts and then college transcripts are important too. We look at those because uh, you may not get college transcripts if you owe them money. Um, so that's something we look at too. Uh, divorce, divorce documents, drive your driving history. Uh, we get a printout from your DMV, um, your car insurance, military, uh, DD-214, stuff like that. So immediately out the gate, when I would get a, yeah. a file, there were certain things that I looked at. Uh, sometimes, Minerva, we would get stuff in the mail. We'd go to the mailroom, and uh, usually when, when a candidate comes in, they're processed and mail goes out. So sometimes by the time you get the file, there's a bunch of mail in the mailroom. Some of it is from police departments. And uh, they're going to they're going to send questionnaires to every police department where you ever lived, worked, or went to school. And if That's you correct, yeah, including college campuses, yeah, college campuses. <laughs> so if you had, if you had uh, a detention, uh, that's where we're going to find it out. So these are the things uh, for me. That's what I would do when I would get when I would so to so to bottom line it. What I would do when I would get a file is I would obviously process it, put everything where it goes, and. And make it uh, mm-hmm. nice and pretty. And then I would start going through, I'd get the mail, and then I would start looking through the PHS and the PIQ and seeing if there's something there. Is that pretty much how you did it? Yes. And as a matter of fact, when I would email my candidates, 
I would list out like, hey, here's a list of documents that you need to have. Please try to have those by the t- day of your interview. And I know some and I would say and I would even write in there, hey, you know, there are some documents that are going to take a little longer to get to get. Just make sure you order them mm-hmm. and have them mailed directly to me. So like that, it doesn't go to them. And then because that takes time. right? <laughs> mm-hmm. I would send them the mm-hmm. list of documents, too, so like they can get the ball rolling on that. And a little note about that, because you worked for Glendale PD and I worked for LAPD. Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to call it like it is. LAPD likes to hold people's hands and to coddle yes. candidates and stuff like that. And so if you are an LAPD candidate and you've gone through there and you go, hey, I think I'm going to apply at Glendale or some other agencies, do not, do not think all these other agencies are going to treat you like LAPD does. Because we would get, Minerva, this would drive me nuts. We would get packages from candidates ready to put together. And we would have to contact police agencies, background units, anywhere, employers, everybody wanted a waiver. And there's no waiver in there. Yes, and that's you can't do anything without it. You can do zero if there's no waiver. So when you go to LAPD and they they coddle you and walk you through the process, and then you go to Glendale and they put your feet to the fire and say, you're out, you don't have this, you don't have a waiver, sorry. That's That's the basic. Of your background investigation. Well, so. I, would, I was the nicer one. I would be like, hey, there's a notary down the block. Go get a notarized <laughs> and come back. You know? But it depends because, you know, I remember I had a guy who I had his paperwork and it was missing a lot of information. And I expected a little more. This guy was in the Navy. So I expected mm-hmm. a little more. I'm sorry. You military people, a little, a little <laughs> higher expectations. Okay. I was like, hey, you know, first of all, he was like almost an hour late to his interview, which that already was a no. I mean, I would have normally canceled it, got me in a good day. That interview lasted like five minutes. When I asked him, where's where's the rest of this information? He's like, well, I didn't have time to get it. I said, "Okay, I'll tell you what, when you have the time to complete this, (laughs) you can give me a call back. Let me walk you out. That was it. That was was the end of the interview. I like it. I'm not going to waste my time. I like it when 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 I hear BIs do that. I'm gonna. I'll tell you guys right now. Get your stuff together. If you're gonna be apply to be a police officer, get your stuff together. Because I don't know how you feel about this, Minerva, but the way I feel is, don't piss off your background investigator. Be- oh, I think we're on the same page when it comes to that. <laughs> but there are agencies, and I'd be one of those people. And there are agencies that are like they get the they get the file, and you're just you're. Oh gosh, you know I'm trying to be nice here, but the candidate <laughs> is a knucklehead. They're like a yeah. child. You guys can't see Ken, but he's literally cringing. His <laughs> just like, cringing I mean, he's talking about this. And I know the feeling because I'm with you. Look, first of all, when I work for LA, you have tons, hundreds of candidates. You don't have time. It is not my job to be holding your hand. No, you're coming. You're applying for a job. You better be a little more responsible for your own actions. Yeah. It's not my job to hold your hand. I'm sorry. No. I just no. Those that's not part of my duties. And the, so those candidates got put in the back burner because I don't have time there. And there are some agencies where it's just it's just the B.I.s and the sergeant and the B.I. Yeah. pick up the file. I mean, you may have this in Glendale. You pick up the file and you go, this this candidate's a flake. And the sergeant goes, all right. Yeah. Uh, non-select. And you're yeah, done. That's how it was in Glendale. That's how it was in Glendale. Don't, you know what? Because, well, you know, smaller agencies they're able to be way more selective than bigger agencies, yeah. right? Bigger agencies, they want, they have numbers that they have to hire so many people in a certain amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. Smaller agencies don't have that pressure. 
So, or at least then they did it. I don't know how it is now because now it's just hard to hire anybody anywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we didn't have time. If you know, we have 500 candidates and they're only going to hire somewhere between five and 10. I mean, I don't have time to waste my time on people who aren't ready. Yeah. And neither did the sergeant and the sergeant usually like, for example, this, uh, the example I just gave of this guy in the Navy, my sergeant looked at me, he's like, that was fast. And I was like, he wasn't prepared. He was like, okay, good. Get him off the list. That's it. That's it. And nothing, no questions asked. You know, they trusted that we were going to pick the right people. And if you're not ready, you're not ready. <laughs> there were, there's, there's agencies that I had visited where it was a DQ and I have to go visit the agency because it's a DQ, right? I got to find out what happened. So I go and review right, the file. Review the background file. Yeah. And so the DQ is, um, didn't complete the PHS properly. That's a DQ. And yeah. so some agencies are going to cut you zero slack. So I, my, my advice for this process is that just because you get to a BI, if you don't have your mm -hmm. stuff together, the BI will bounce you. And yeah. just for, just for what you, and you know, <laughs> To hear a candidate say, I got, I got DQ'd for, for this or that. And I'm, and I look at them, I go, yeah. <laughs> well, so what, what's, what's, what's the complaint? You weren't, you didn't have your stuff together. And I know we're spending a couple minutes on this, but it's so important. If you can't get out of the gate with a BI and like, it's all about the first impression, right? Yeah. First impressions are lasting impressions, you know, and it's not just your paperwork is your demeanor, the way you show up, your attitude, the mm -hmm. way you're dressed, Everything. It's a professional environment. You're asking to work in a professional professional environment. Be professional about it. Yeah. In all aspects of it. Because your application is sloppy. I if you go to a private industry and you apply for, say, oh, I don't know, you you did college and you got a degree and now you qualify for this job. And so you apply. And your application is is written in crayon and it's not complete. And you show up like you're you just got out of bed. Do you think that they're going to pay you $100,000 a year because you look like crap? Oh, my God. It was so funny. That reminded me. I had a candidate. I don't even remember what information I requested of him. And he literally wrote it on the back of an envelope on the flap side. <laughs> oh and God. I was like, he came. And this is what I work with LA. He came and he gave it to me. And I was like, what's this? He's like, is information you asked me? I go, I don't think so. I go, you go back home, you type it up and you email it to me. I go, this is trash. I go, don't bring me trash. Yeah. And he was like, wow. he really was like surprised. And I was like, no, I don't have time. Like, no, that's not professional. And I know some people are probably like, I don't believe that. No, that really does happen. It really does. I had conversations with with candidates who just had crappy PHSs or, or their documents weren't there. And I would flat out, I would ask him, what, what are you applying for? Because I want to be a police officer. I said, so you, you want a job? Yes, yes. I would mm -hmm. like to get a job as a police officer. I said, well, I got a job. You're asking yeah, exactly. to get a job. So you better get it together. And um, I, I, I just. <laughs> I would say the same. I mean, yeah. I've had this young lady who had a really bad attitude during her interview. This is for a civilian position. Oh. And I was like, um, she didn't have infor like complete information. So I was questioning her about something. And her response is, well, isn't that what I said? And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was like, listen, you know, the cop in me came out. <laughs> I was like, listen. 
Look, you're here asking for a job. I already have the job. I got a job. And I'm like, yeah. And her demeanor changed a little bit, but that attitude was still there. And I was like, mm-mm. And, and if they, for some reason, were to pass the background and you pull that in psych, that's not oh, Believe me, fun. that was noted in the background. <laughs> oh, that's. That, it was noted. You note all. See, this is what people don't understand. Yeah. We take notes on everything. And all of that is written in that final summary because we're really the only contact person between the candidate and the agency. Mm-hmm. So we are the person that has to document everything that happens. Yep, yep. And so that's why like, even like the PHS, okay, think about it. When you're a police officer, there are multiple forms that you need to complete as a police officer. The report forms, tickets, citations, right? Has multiple boxes. You need to fill all of those out. Well, that's no different with your PHS. You need to complete it, fully complete it. Because that's the information is asking you. It's asking you for a reason. We're not just asking you because just for no reason. We need that information to conduct a thorough background. Mm -hmm. So please take the time to do it. And now that it's automated, it's on the computer, download it and save it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and update it as needed. (laughs) Yep. It's really it cannot be any more simple, really. Nowadays, it's just so simple. Which leads us into our, our next portion of this is the, the meet and greet interview. Your background investigation is a precursor to your career. The reason I say that is because, you know, the whole yes, sir, yes, ma'am, providing information. I don't know what some people are thinking, but police departments are paramilitary organizations. Paramilitary means very similar to military. It's, they follow along those lines. And so the whole, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, um, I'm ordering you to do this. Yes. I'm ordering you to do this. When when you hear that from a police supervisor, you better do it or you can get fired. Right. So having an attitude really, you know, at the background investigation, that's not a good idea. Or people who try to treat you like your buddies. I'm your background investigator. Um, we're not on a first name basis. I was either investigator Gaines or ma'am. Those are the two <laughs> options you got. There was no Minerva or this or no, 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 no. <laughs> I've, I've picked up the phone before Minerva and the and the candidate goes, hey, Ken, I wanted to ask you. And I said, hold, hold, hold on. I know I was born in the last century, but you, we're not friends. You don't yeah. call me by my first name. And that's yeah. a one big mistake. So, so big tip for today, Minerva. Do not call your background investigator by their first name. Don't. No, do not. There's so many <laughs> tips. There are a lot of tips. There's here. a lot of this tips. This is a very right. important episode. We're going to delve into the meet and greet a little bit. When I first got, when I first get the file and I go through all that stuff and I do all that thing and I know there's no DQ. So now I want to schedule me, Ken Roybalt. What I would do is I'd move on to schedule the meet and greet. Um, That's when, what I would do too. Okay, so the first thing you would do, and like I said before, yes. there are some some background investigators that do the meet and greet at the very end. That's not my thing, but so don't. I guess what we're trying to say is don't. Um, if all this stuff doesn't happen in a certain order, don't 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 get or 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 Minerva. I've had candidates say, um, you know, my background investigator contacted my references. Or my background investigator went to um, went to see my employer. Does that mean I'm almost done? I said, I, I don't know. No, it depends on the order. Everybody does it differently. But yeah. I think you and I did it pretty much the same. Like, 
I wanted to meet the person, get a feel for the person. And if there were any red flags, I wanted to address those right. red flags because sometimes it, the way it's written sounds worse than it, what it is, mm-hmm. you know, or sometimes it's very vague and I need more information yeah. <laughs> to decide whether or not I'm going to continue or not. Yeah. So that, I think that mean greed is very, very important. I, okay. So this is, this, this, this flummoxes me. I see the look on your face. So <laughs> I just, cause I know where you're going. I haven't said it, but I already know where we're going with this conversation. <laughs> when, what is it? There's something about when we say in writing, when you go and meet anybody for a background, business attire. <laughs> I see. I knew it. Is there, it. Am I missing something? Did something change with regard to business attire? <sighs> Not in my book, but you know, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Look, that does not mean jeans in a t-shirt. That does not mean shorts in a t-shirt. And you ladies, please do not come in stiletto heels. <laughs> it is not the strip club. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, they're going to a club no. after. <laughs> it's like, no, please. Like, you know, when you're in the academy, and I'm, I'm going to direct this a little bit to the females right now. Mm. You're not wearing all the makeup and the false lashes and, you know, your hair is pulled back in a bun. Really take note of what you're applying to. Mm-hmm. Like Ken said, the police is very paramilitary. That's how you're going to look in the academy. You're not going to have makeup. You're not going to be in heels. Now, I mean, you can wear nice heels, but wear a nice suit. Mm-hmm. You know, don't come with a short dress. Don't come with a short skirt that is tight. Yep. Don't th- that is not appropriate clothing or attire for the interview or that job in general. Mm-hmm. You know, just like the guys, guys come in a suit. I don't know what else to say. I really don't because <laughs> I know what you're talking about. And the thing is, like, when somebody comes in that way, everybody in the background, you know, is like, did you see what they were wearing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody takes note. Because every there, there's an expectation of what a candidate should look like. Yeah. And so please be very aware of your audience and the job that you're applying and dress appropriately, please. And if if you need more, please email us. <laughs> we'll help you. Yeah, it's not difficult. It's not. It's not. You know, buy one nice suit and you know, just use that one. You don't have to buy multiple clothes, just have one or two nice suits that you can wear. And that's it, you know, and and you're going to need these later on when you go to court on an off day, you Mm -hmm. know, wear your uniform. So you're still going to need a suit anyway. You're going to need an academy because in the academy, the first month you're in a suit anyway. So I've had candidates come in, like you say, the ladies would come in and they'd be in short skirts and high heels and this goes for just the job interview period. I don't, I don't, I mean, the last time I interviewed for a, a civilian job, mm-hmm. I don't remember not dressing professionally, but this is not, you're not, in other words, you're not applying for the pizza joint. You know, we've had candidates come in in t-shirts and shorts in, in an open collar shirt with the, with the chain hanging down, tennis shoes, polo shirt. So the bottom right. line is that when you're if if you come in, it's like Minerva said, you're going into any interview unless told otherwise. You're going to be showing up in a suit, mm-hmm. and they make some very nice suits for the ladies because detectives yeah. wear them all the time. 
you have to be professionally dressed in order to to impress the people that you are applying to. And so that means that you're going to need to dress professionally in the first place. And that's the oral interview, everything. You know what, Ken, you know, so I haven't done backgrounds in about two and a half years now, but I still work in an investigative unit and I still dress the same way I did when I was a police officer, the same way I did when I was a background investigator. Mm -hmm. You know, I still wear a suit, you know, especially if I'm going to conduct an interview, um, I still wear a suit, you know, and I have interviewed for civilian positions and guess what? I wear a suit. <laughs> I'm not yeah. wearing heels. I'm not wearing. And I mean, there's nice dress suits. Don't get me wrong. For the ladies are nice dress suits, but they're appropriate office attire. Right. You know, it's not the club type of attire. That's just not appropriate for this line of work. No. And I, and I get there. There's like a generation gap because it, it's to no, me. That's an excuse. It, it is. <laughs> but, but it's like, there's so many, a lot of times. And then there are some people that, well, I would say the majority of candidates come in locked, they're, they're locked down. They're ready yes. to go. They're saying, yes, sir, no, ma'am. And they're coming mm-hmm. dressed, ready to go for the meet and greet interview. And so when I would sit down with the meet and greet, my first impression of that candidate meant everything. One thing I want to, I want to emphasize is what Minerva said, is that when you come in, your background investigator, your background with that investigator starts right then. Because they start taking Absolutely. notes. Candidate candidate um, had a poor attitude, uh, was rude to the investigator, didn't or dress properly. Or the staff. The staff. Yeah. Because they'll let us know, too, <clears throat> if you don't treat yeah. them right, if you have an attitude or the way you treat other people. you know. And don't come with a suit and still look sloppy, though. Because oh, yeah. that has happened, too. <laughs> it's like, tuck your shirt in, you know, go to the back. If you need to go to the restroom and refresh or, you know, there's a mirror there. Go to the restroom, take a last look and, you know, just be professional. <laughs> like, yeah. We can't express that very more than we have. right? And, and guys, <laughs> I've run into candidates in the hallway at backgrounds and, and they go to the trouble of they get a suit, they get a nice shirt, mm-hmm. they put the tie on and then they leave the top button of their shirt undone. Yeah. So the tie's hanging down a little bit. I guess that maybe it's cool. Maybe it's cool. Know. Here's another thing. Don't wear a lot of cologne and perfume because you're going to be stuck in a small interview room and, you know, you don't want to suffocate your investigator. (laughs) Um, So that the other thing is also a lot of places you're going to have your interview at, you're going to have to pay for parking. So make sure you find parking and pay for a couple of hours. Yeah. Overpay. Because it looks bad when you're ready, the investigator is ready to take you in to conduct that interview. You're like, oh, um, I got to go put more money in the meter or whatever. <laughs> <That> <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 you should have taken care of that. I mean, of course, we don't want them to get a ticket, so we let them. But that's stuff that you should think ahead. Get there early. If you're on time, you're late. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it. You should always get there 15 at least 15 minutes early to check in because you don't know you're not the only candidate there. There's a lot of other candidates. And now there's a line. You don't want to be late, you know, because when you get there, guess what? There's more paperwork you have to fill out. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. Please write as legibly as possible because you're not going to be able to type that information, but please write as legibly as possible. Practice your writing. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
have information readily available. You know, your social security number, if you don't know it, you should at this point. But, you know, keep, keep it somewhere. Memorize it. Certainly, you know, there's a lot of numbers you got to memorize. I know nowadays, you know, people have everything on their phones. I wouldn't recommend putting your social security number on your phone. Oh, no. Memorize it. <laughs> Just memorize these things. Like these are things that, I mean, they seem like common sense, <laughs> but but it's We're- not. <laughs> Another thing is have have duplicate copies of everything you turn in because uh, because believe it or not, there could be a disconnect between your file and when the background investigator gets it and the background investigator goes, hey, you didn't turn in your waiver. And you say, oh, no, I did turn in a waiver. You need to have a copy of that waiver because because it doesn't help the background investigator if there's somehow your waiver disappeared somewhere. Because uh, we yes. need it now. So when you go into the into the meet and greet interview, have copies, have duplicates of every every document that you turned in ready to go because it'll just hold up your background. The background investigator doesn't do anything but receive your file. So mm-hmm. if they don't have a piece of paperwork that's crucial, and and this is another thing, Minerva, if you have, there is a checklist of documents yes. that are needed for every single file. And if you don't have one document, that background can't be turned in. It's incomplete. And that, so that's the checklist that I would send to my candidates and tell them, hey, start working on this paperwork, get, get these documents ready. <laughs> so here's the thing. We don't, background investigators don't just ask for these documents because we just want to have them. Mm-hmm. Backgrounds get audited by POST, which is the Police Officer Standards and Training. And I don't know if other states have, I think some other states do, but mm-hmm. for sure California does. And if those documents are not there, guess what? The agency gets ding. Not only that, but an investigator will not turn it in because it's incomplete. No. So you're delaying your own background. Yeah, there's audits so, at the end. So just go get multiple copies of these things because they're going to need an original. Certain documents, you need an original. Birth certificate being one of them. Uh, transcripts, they need to be sealed. Don't bring an open one. <laughs> they need to be sealed. Uh, what else? I can't think of it. DD-214s. What else? Yeah, just yeah, marriage uh, certificates or whatever. Marriage certificates, judgments, things like that. Any kind of court documents, suits, anything like that. Generally, you don't need to have multiple copies. We, you don't have to go spend hundreds of dollars on originals because all you need to do is have a, an original and the background investigator will likely make a, a photocopy of it and mark that they saw the original. And yeah, that, we have to sign that we saw the original. Yeah, and that, that just goes for, I mean... In other states, they have different requirements, how they issue birth certificates and things like that. But generally speaking, they're going to want to see an original certified copy. It goes for almost everything that requires some kind of certification. Make sure that you have those documents when you go into into your meet and greet. Now, very quickly, when we get to do a meet and greet, you know what? That meet and greet means a different thing for different BIs. Yes, it does. (laughs) Some BIs would just want to have you come in, want to go over your PHS, PIQ, and want to hit you up about things that maybe a DQ, maybe a red flag. If you had a a background where everything looked really pristine, there's really nothing in the background to speak of that was negative in nature, would you do a meet and greet? Mm -hmm. Yes. So I'm the investigator who I go pretty much through the whole PHS. I know some people don't. Because especially like references, I want to know what's your relationship to that reference. 
And please make sure your reference knows that you're using them as a reference. <laughs> it shouldn't come as a surprise to them. <laughs> because here's a, this is what happens. We send out reference letters and then we don't <sighs> get a, we don't get a return, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would put it on my candidate like, "Hey, this person has not returned a reference. This is what's holding you up. You need to contact them." Mm-hmm. Right? And then I would get sometimes I would get a call from my candidate or an email like, "Oh, they're not responding." Well, <laughs> did they know that you, did you ask to, you know, if you could use them as a reference because it shouldn't be a surprise like, you know, if you asked them beforehand, that means that they're willing to fill out whatever form that they're going to be sent. Right. So please make sure you use references who want to be references. (laughs) So that's one. But also sometimes people don't put everything, don't write everything on the PHS. At least my experience has been that, especially when it comes to employ employers and any type of um, disciplinary action. I would go through every employer. I would have my red pen and those people who have been through my backgrounds, I got my little red pen <laughs> and I would ask, have you ha- have you been disciplined at work for anything related to tardiness? You know, any p- policy or procedure, anything in, in the time that you've been employed there. Have you ever been disciplined for any reason? And sometimes it'll be like, you know, they don't write it there, but they'll be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I have a tardiness issue. And I'll be like, OK. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was tardy. I don't know, about 10 times. Okay. How tardy are we talking about? Oh, just a couple of minutes. Well, what's a couple of minutes to you? Oh, 30. <laughs> 30 minutes is not a couple of minutes. That's a half hour. <laughs> and it's like, how many times in what time period? You know? Oh, you know, three times in a month. That's a lot. Yeah. You should get to work on time. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, do, do they receive, I want to know, do they receive uh, performance evaluations? You know, because I will contact HR of their employer and I'll be like, I want to come look at this personnel file. So, I mean, I was that investigator. I don't know if you did the same as I did, but I definitely did was go go through every single employer and I would ask the same questions, any disciplinary actions, any performance evaluations, any issues with any supervisor or any other employer, a coworker, you know, stuff like that. Will somebody say something negative about you? And if so, why? And this is what I want to emphasize as well. You need to follow up with your employers. The other states are different because I do I do consultations across the nation and, and the employment laws are different. But just specifically in California, you have a right to review your personnel file and make any copies of anything you sign. But you have a right to review the entire file. Not every state is like that. Some states, you don't have a right. Some states... Mm-hmm. Um, you uh, can look at it, but it's only within a certain time frame, like 60 to 90 days or something after you quit. California's current or former employers can look at it. And yeah, don't. But a lot of them will purge it after a certain amount of time. Yes. So there's nothing illegal. They could purge it as soon as you leave. There's, they don't have to retain mm-hmm. the file, but you can call them and find out. The reason is because you want to see everything your background investigator is going to see. And if yeah. you have something like lates or tardies, and you know, Minerva, I tell candidates this all the time. I said, when when you leave an employment, you you may sign something or you may not. And if you don't go look at that file, you'd be surprised at how many employers put stuff in your file after you yes. leave. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that law has come in handy because there have been times where HR will not allow, had not allowed me to review a personnel file. And right. I would tell the candidate, 
you have per law, you have a right to review your file. And I want you to give me copies of your performance evaluations. And I want you to put it in a sealed envelope and you're going to bring it to me yeah. because I didn't want them to just pick and choose what was going to be in there. <laughs> right. Right. I, I, there was a, I did an employment check at Best Buy and, mm. um, and uh, the, <laughs> It's so funny. It wasn't in the store. It was like at a, a main hub of some kind of distribution center or something like that. And the candidate told me that the HR lady, she says, you, you can't look at the file. And uh, I said, okay. And then I was there and they said, yeah. So she comes out, but she was, she was snippet with me. She was rude. <laughs> I don't know if she had gotten a ticket from the cops or she didn't like cops or whatever. So she came out and she came out with this attitude that she didn't mm. like me. And I'm like, you don't know me. I'm a very nice person. Why would you come out with an attitude? And so she tells me, I'm oh, the popo. So <laughs> she tells me, we're not, yeah, we're not, we're not going to let you review the file. I said, okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have the candidate review their file and get copies of, of whatever they signed. And she looked at me and she was pissed. Yes. Because mm-hmm. because you can deny me to look at the file with my cool legal waiver, but you can't deny mm-hmm. the candidate going in there and getting copies of stuff. So mm-hmm. she was so pissed off. So Well, probably because she had to work. Yeah. <laughs> so the bottom but, line... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say the bottom line is... Um, it's like Minerva said, you can, you, when you ask for a file, they can't tell you, you can't look at your file. Yeah. So I was going to say, I was going to share that. Um, I once went to review the personnel file at big five at their headquarters mm-hmm. and the lady literally sat there, the HR lady sat there and she turned the page for me. I couldn't even touch the paper. <laughs> she literally sat there and turned the page my first time going there. And I said, you know, I can do it myself. She's like, nope, I have to do it for you. I said, this may take a while. She's like, okay. I said, okay. <laughs> Whatever you need to do. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, that's, not, that's just, these are just experiences, but the majority of, of employers, they're going to grant access mm-hmm. to your background investigator. But what I want to say about employments is going back to Minerva's comment about, you know, tardies and things like that. They, the, um, uh, an employer can go, hey, you were tardy. Hey, you were tardy. Hey, man, just a heads up, you were tardy. And you go, no, I didn't get a verbal warning. It was just like he came and hit me up about it and said, you know, I was tardy. But they won't tell you that they'll just make a little note. They'll put it in your file. Mm-hmm. But to you, it's just, no, it's real casual, man. I just He just said I was tardy. I go, yeah, cool. Yeah, no, that's a verbal warning. That's a verbal warning, right. <laughs> just counting as a verbal warning. <laughs> right. And so yes. you don't think, and so you may have three verbal warnings in your file and you are like, no, nah, Joe just talked to me. No big deal. Yeah. So. The other thing is suspensions. People don't think that employers document suspension, and they <clears> do. <throat> and we find out. And then when we find out, we call you back. And we're like, why didn't you tell me about this? <laughs> <laughs> and the, and for, for, me, for me, if I go to a, an employment file and I find stuff that you didn't tell me, and real realistically, you, you know, it. okay, so let's not, let's not get... Let's not get all hardcore about it. But if you if you have something in there where an employer said, I warned you for, for being late, we just I just told him he was late, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's in your file, but you didn't tell me. I'm probably not going to DQ you over that. I'm going to hit you up about it. But if you have two, three, four, seven, I mean, I've gone in there and I've gone, oh my gosh, none of this stuff was in the in the on the PHS. You're going to be yeah. DQ'd. Is that the same for and you? That's what, and yeah, <clears throat> yes, absolutely. And that's why I was very good about note taking. Um, you know, I know you probably never saw my notes, but 
because I would make a copy of the PHS and have my field copy. Mm-hmm. And that was the one where I wrote all my notes. You know, there was the original PHS and then there was my copy of the PHS. And that's where I wrote my notes. And sometimes I would use the back to continue writing my notes because some people, you know, they're suspended. Mm. They have tardiness issues. They've been write ups, you know, all of that. I want to know, you know, and the same when it comes to um, contact with the police. You know, I yep. would sometimes people, oh, I was detained. Okay, you were detained. Well, what happened? Well, you know, I got pulled over. This is that happened. And I went to jail and I was like, okay, you were not detained. You were arrested. <laughs> were you in handcuffs? There's a difference. <laughs> yeah. You're going to jail. It's a little different, you know. <laughs> and it was like, what agency? Oh, I don't remember. Well, when did this happen? I don't remember. You know, and, and here's the thing. We don't expect you to remember exact dates. But when it comes to arrests, you kind of know you got arrested. And you know when you got arrested mm-hmm. or something happens. Something significant will stand out about that. So don't say you don't know. You know, just say it. Just be honest and upfront about it. Yeah, and that's that goes under record checks. Uh, but I, I, I wanted to uh, mention something else about the employment checks. When I did my employment checks, I would go in and I would, uh, I would walk in and I'd want to talk to whoever had the personnel file. I'd want to talk mm-hmm. to a supervisor, two coworkers, or two coworker. I mean, um, two supervisors and a coworker, whatever. As long as I talked to about three people and um, kind of got a feel for what kind of an employee employee you are. So it's important, but that basically the, the bottom line is, is you're at each employment within a certain time period, the background investigator is going to, going to check that and make, make a report. He's yes. going to write a report, an employment check. Is that basically And I would what- do the same, Ken. Yeah, I would do the same. <laughs> I wanted to speak to the HR person that had to file a supervisor. And if you recently promoted or switched to another, you know, section of your job, I mm-hmm. want to talk to your previous supervisor as well. Mm-hmm. And at least two or three coworkers you know, to see, you know, what kind of employee you are. Yeah. And so a good idea, unless you have, unless it's, you have an employment hold where you don't want the employer contacted right away, a good idea and to help your background investigators to, is to have those numbers available because the the background investigators trying to, when they, when they hit the ground running, they're going out and they want to go to employment and they want to talk to people and review files and knock that thing out. And sometimes employees Mm -hmm. aren't there. You want so, to have a direct number where they can be reached. Right. Don't, don't give like a generic number where you're going to listen to a recorder. And you just mentioned a, an employer hold. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just kind of want to go into that. So you should notify your your background investigator, tell them that you would like your current employer to be the last to be contacted. Yes. They can do all the other employers. And this is because, you know, some people, if you work in the private sector, they can let you go and we don't want you to be unemployed. But, you know, they'll conduct the other, you know, parts of the investigation and they will contact your current employer last. Yeah. I have had candidates that they were, they were fired because they were, I went in there and did the employment check and then they didn't tell their boss and now their boss is all, you know, upset. And then, and it shouldn't come as a surprise. There were times where the boss was like, I didn't know they were looking for another job. And it's like, you should have let them know. (laughs) And so unless you want to hold, then then you should have told me you wanted to hold. But I shouldn't be the one notifying them that you're going through a process with a law enforcement agency and you're going through a background. But just know that the the employment check will be done at your current job. How do you do your residence checks? Oh, I go door knocking. Mm -hmm. I go on a field trip. (laughs) (laughs) I go on a field trip. 
And I have my little questionnaires ready in case I don't get a hold of a neighbor. And I go knocking a few doors to the east, a few doors to the west, a few doors north, and a few doors south of you. Mm -hmm. So you better be nice to all the neighbors around you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and um, yeah, I mean, and, you know, so... Yeah, I talk to them. If I can, if I can't get a hold of them, I'll leave a questionnaire with a business card. Like, please, you know, contact me if you have any questions. And for the most part, you get those questionnaires back. Be nice to your neighbors. We're in an era where people don't know their neighbors. Please make it a point to kind of just at least say hi. Hi and bye. <laughs> hi and bye. Yeah, normally nice. your your background investigator is going to go door knocking, and depending on whether it's an apartment, it's a house. They're going to handle it differently. But basically, I would try and get at least three to five door knocks in. I would actually go into my candidate's home. I would go oh, knocking yeah. on their door. And don't don't expect it. I'm not going to call you and let you know where I'm coming. <laughs> I would just show up. <laughs> yeah, I would do that, too. If I if a candidate was home, I'd go in there. And I'd look in their bedrooms and I'd look mm-hmm. around the house. When I, when I would do uh, residence checks, I would go in and I would... If it was a house, I would go, I would door knock two houses right and left of the, of the candidate's house and then three houses mm-hmm. behind, not behind, a- but across. across the street, three houses. So that was yeah. five. If it was oh, the- I, I would do the back door, like the street <laughs> over, one street over behind yes. their property. I would do that. Yeah, see, and I wouldn't do that, although that's a good tactic because if there was a loud party, the person behind mm-hmm. would be the person that would be upset about it. So that's not a bad tactic. So don't be surprised. You know, your background investigator can go and door knock as many houses as they want. It's and some of the them. questions I would ask neighbors is like, what are this person's driving habits? Oh, yeah. Are they speeding down the street, bumping their music really loud, disturbing the neighborhood? You know, have you have you ever seen the police respond to their residents? And, and if so, do you know why? Because then... In case I do a, a police check and I don't get anything, I could be like, oh, no, I can call that police department again. Be like, hey, uh, I got numerous people saying that you guys have responded to this address and I'll ask them to run the actual address and see how many calls for service. I've done that. I've gotten a list of calls for service. Yeah. Like I had a candidate who didn't tell me this. A neighbor told me, well, yeah, the police were here. Like, you know, they start, did a search warrant. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait a minute. I contacted the police department and yep, they were notified by an agency that they were going to conduct a search warrant. And then guess what? Call my candidate. Um, I need to talk to you. Actually, (laughs) I spoke to, I spoke to his mom first. I interviewed his mom and I said, Hey, I go, please ever come to your house for any reason. She's like, no. And I was like, no, I go. Cause I heard a search warrant was served at your house. She's like, Oh yeah. Okay. Next call was to the son, to my candidate, because I didn't want her to call him right away. I called him and I said, hey, uh, tell me about this search warrant at your house. Oh, I forgot. You don't forget when people cut the police. I <laughs> forgot about the cops door. throwing flashbangs in my that. house. I forgot. Yeah. You don't forget <laughs> that kind of stuff. <laughs> and one thing that, that you did bring up was the um, introducing yourself to your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Because there's one specific story that I remember is I was door knocking neighbors and I was across the street. I said, hey, the, the guy, the, the, the neighbor comes to the door. He's talking to me and he goes, yeah, oh, yeah, that guy at that house, idiot, total idiot, parties, blah, 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 whatever else, and, and just bad-mouthing him. And then behind him comes out of the living room his wife. And she goes, she goes, Bill. Let me look. Let me look at the, at the picture of because I showed him a picture of the candidate, 
Yeah, she we looks at the picture. She so looks we at know the, that they're talking about the right person. She looks at the picture and she goes, "Bill, that's his brother." And so he was talking about the brother, not my candidate. Yeah. But so it's good to to go and just door knock and go, "Hey, you know, I'm applying mm-hmm. to be a police officer. My background investigator probably, you know, door knock the house or if you get something in the mail." Yes. Then again, there are people I, in my door knocking, but I've been to some neighborhoods that were questionable. Yes. And I've been. I actually would ask my candidates like, hey, um, if they live in a questionable neighborhood, I'd be like, hey, are there any gangsters that live by your house? Yeah. I, I wanted to know for, you know, safety issues, safety reasons for me. Right. Because I want my my safety to be good. So yeah. Yeah. I would say, hey, do you have any problems? Do you know, um, you know, anybody there, a gang member, a drug dealer? anything like that? Do you see a lot of police activity at any of these mm-hmm. houses? Because I need to avoid those houses. You know, I would just mail the questionnaire <laughs> or I would ask them, is there any issue with them knowing that you're applying to go into a law, a job in law enforcement? Cause I don't want their safety to be compromised either. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? My candidate safety or their family safety. So, you know, but I would ask obviously follow up questions like, okay, well, what, what would happen if they know? Like, why, why is it a problem? You have to keep safety in mind too. I want to, I was, I was, uh, there's some neighborhoods where people may not like the police. <laughs> so mm-hmm. protect your BI, let them know these things. I, I was walking yeah. in a neighborhood one time, door knocking, and there was a guy working on his truck. And I said, Hey, I'm a, I'm a background investigator for, uh, for LAPD. Your neighbor's applying to be a police officer. And he goes, Yeah, so, okay, this is going to go well. Yeah. This is yeah. going to go so well. <laughs> and let us know if you have problems with certain neighbors so we can know ahead of time whether that's going to be a good or bad interview. Um, I also want to know if you have dogs. I don't, I don't want to get bit. <laughs> I, got, I had a little dog come out and yip at me. It was a little dog. He was yipping at me. I'm going, oh, puppy, puppy. And then he bit my leg. Yes. Ankle like, biters hurt. Heck, man. <laughs> Cute little puppy. I always ask because <clears throat> you never know, man. I had an incident when I was a, a police officer. This lady called because her grandson's bike got stolen or something. And <clears throat> as she was outside, we were talking like she had a detached garage that was behind her house. So she had a long driveway. So we're standing in the driveway talking. And all of a sudden I hear like just noise, like <clears throat> running. Well, all of a sudden this big Great Dane comes out. And, you know, I'm short. I'm only 5'2". So I was like eye to eye with this dog. And I was like about to grab my gun. And she's like, don't shoot my dog. I go, put your dog away. That thing's a cow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I am not going to get bitten. Dogs are scary. Report. It's scary, man. Dogs can be scary. So people have dogs and sometimes you don't see them, right? Mm-hmm. People don't have signs or anything. And you're like, you know, going in there, doing your residence check, walking through the gate. And all of a sudden there's a dog coming at you. Let your background investigator know if you have dogs or your neighbors have dogs. <laughs> so real important is is to remember if the police have been to your house, it's um, to make sure your neighbors know who you are if you have a knucklehead sibling. <laughs> you yes. know, they're going to ask questions. They're going to take a form out with them and they're going to go down these questions for every single neighbor. Would you say they're a good neighbor? Have the police ever been to their house? What do you think about their driving habits? Have there been any arguments? Have there been any domestic yes. violence? All those things are on these forms that are just generic background residence check forms. They're going to ask all those questions. I have one question for you in regards to residence checks. Have you ever had an issue where you have a candidate who's really good, but they have a sibling who's been in trouble with the law or likes to use narcotics? And usually it's like, you know, because you have to document this. And I've, you know, I've asked my candidates like, okay, is it possible for you to move with another family member in the meantime? Like, you know, I mean, you can't, 
judge the person over their family, but at the same time, it does get documented. So if you're in that situation, you probably may want to look at other living conditions or living options, you know, if it's possible. So you're asking me what I would tell a candidate if their sibling was to use drugs? Yeah, like that's what I would tell them. But what would you what would you suggest to them? What would you tell them? Well, I, there's always a conflict of interest when you're when you associate with somebody. The problem with that is that is that um, you can't pick your family, so it gets kind of it, it gets kind of difficult for the candidates. So if you have a candidate who's let's say their brother smokes marijuana, smokes weed in the house, you've got a conflict of interest because depending on on you know, in certain in certain states like marijuana, let's say they use something else, ecstasy, coke, something like that, a little more serious. Mm-hmm. And you are a police officer, and you arrest people for these drugs, and then you go home and you hang out with your brother or sister, and they use the same drugs. You can see the conflict of interest. Yeah. I would suggest not living in the same place, and I would also say that if you do have a sibling that does that and you go to family functions, you're not going to stop being family. You need to have a sit down with them and go, Hey, I'm going to be a police officer. I, you can't do this. And if yeah. you're, if you're sibling, so here, here's the big question. Say your sibling says, okay, no, no problem. I'm, 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 I'm not going to do that here. I'm going to go outside the house or go, you know, to my friend's house or whatever. Do you ask them, do you, you know what? I think the bottom line for me is just to make it, just to make everything not taint your background, just mm-hmm. just move, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you can. Just try to remove yourself from the situation. And also, I had a situation where a candidate's brother was on parole. Well, parolees can't be around guns. No. <laughs> so um, it was like, well, you know, either he moves or you move. I mean, you, you got to make a decision here because parolees can't be around gun. And how do you prevent them from if you become a police officer getting your weapon yeah i i spoke to a a candidate just a couple days ago where the father-in-law had been um had been convicted and served prison time in the 90s and i said you need to find out what kind of crime it was what kind of felony it was was it a violent felony uh but generally Mm -hmm. speaking ex-cons can't be around guns and so right. your gun is considered a gun in that house. Now, there was another case that I had, uh, which was interesting, because I had gone for years and years with the, with the ex-cons can't be around guns. So I get this candidate. His wife had been convicted of embezzlement. She had been the bookkeeper, the whatever, for, for her company. And she got mm-hmm. convicted of embezzlement. And, Which is a felony. So yeah, she's I don't, a convicted felon. She's a convicted felon. And I don't think she went to prison, but I think that, uh, but she was definitely a convicted felon. So here we have a case of a convicted felon for a white collar crime. Mm-hmm. It was not involving any kind of violence. So the department said it doesn't fall under the same guidelines as a, as a violent felon, you know, financial crimes. Does that, right. you know, so some departments may look at that differently or... How long ago did it happen? You know, I I guess you would have to look at what the conditions of their conviction are, you know, because some people, even though it's a white collar crime is still convicted felon. It might be like you still can't be around weapons. Yeah. So you still you really would need to look into that. So, you know, could it be an ex-con 
or could it be a parolee? If they're currently on parole, that's a no. <laughs> you can't live there that and get a- hired. <laughs> that's a no. With regard to drug users, are they? what kind of drugs are they using? Do they use the drugs around you? You know, the best thing to do, I think, probably is to just separate yourself from anything that could cause a black mark on your background. Absolutely. Because they are, your, ba- your background investigator has to document it. There's yeah. nothing they can do about it. Residents, anything, anything we missed? No, I think we've covered everything there. And very quickly, spouse and significant other interviews. Those interviews are important, so important that generally speaking, spouse or significant other interviews are normally done in person. They can be done telephonically, but they're not going to, generally speaking, your spouse or significant other is not going to get a mailer. It's not going to get a reference. That's true. Would you date, would you date, sorry, would you interview people that your candidate was dating? They were not married, not living together, but they had been dating. They were in a dating relationship with somebody. Would you interview them? Yeah. The same as a, as a, as a spouse. Yeah. Same here. You know, same here. that's it. And, and the question has come up with how far back do you go back? So for you, Minerva, if somebody says mm-hmm. we just broke up, Or they said, we broke up three months ago, or we broke up six months ago, or we broke up three years ago, and it was bad. Which one of those would you interview? All of them. All of them? All of them. I would, yeah. And I want to know, okay, like, you know, what was the cause of the the breakup? Because, you know, there's two sides to that story, too. Mm -hmm. But what I really want to know is, were there any domestic violence issues? Mm -hmm. You know, was there any, you know, physical abuse or anything like that? You know, I want to know that. But yeah, I would interview three years ago. I, I don't know. That's questionable. I think I would need a little more information on that. But definitely three, six months ago, we want to know, OK, when was your last relationship, you know, dating relationship and who was it with? You know, and a lot of times they're like, well, I don't have any contact. Well, I'm like, well, can you reach them on this? you know, social media or something, mm-hmm. you know, give me their information because I want to know, like, was there any, like I said, any issues of domestic violence or what was the cause of the breakup? My rule of thumb what would be, I wouldn't go past uh, six months mm-hmm. because dating relationships are what they are. I mean, you, you may date someone and then two months later and then date somebody else. Yeah. I mean, that, it, it, they're it just hanging out. Yeah. We're hanging out. We're talking. <laughs> so, but a definite red flag is if a background investigator asks you, can we uh, talk to this ex, you know, within that time frame, they said they didn't want to talk. They're like, mm. oh, oh Why? well, Why? well, you're going to need to find out <laughs> what their number yeah. is. Um, and nowadays, nowadays with social media, it's almost impossible. Not, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's pretty easy to find people. Mm-hmm. There uh, are ways. <laughs> yeah. And so, so, Ex-spouses are always going to be an interview, always. Yes. If you're divorced, your current spouse is always an interview. Especially if you have kids <clears throat> together yeah. with an ex too, because uh, are you paying your child support? <laughs> yeah. And there, there is a, there's a, a reason why they do that is because nobody knows you as good mm-hmm. as your neighbors and the people you live with. Because yes. that's when you let it all your, you let your hair down and you kind of relax in your demeanor. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're an idiot, your spouse or ex spouse is gonna is gonna know. But a caveat to that: if your ex spouse doesn't like you, mm-hmm. we're not gonna take one person's one person's comments and DQ you just based on. There has to be some kind of compelling 
evidence to something. Because I, I don't know about you, Minerva, but I tell you, with regard to exes, mm-hmm. ooh, heard some, heard some stories. <laughs> I've heard some too, but you know, I yeah. I would ask like. I would ask their friends like, hey, you know, did you know what was his relationship with this person or her relationship with this Mm -hmm. person? You know, and they would tell you, oh, yeah, like she was crazy or he was crazy and he was controlling or whatever the situation. And, you know, I would I would if I felt there was something that needed to be looked more into, I would be like, okay, usually their friends know what's up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do their family members, you know. So I would start asking questions about that. And sometimes, believe it or not, people just tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people just open up, you know, like I've had situations, not necessarily about old relationships, but, you know, a candidate would deny ever using any drugs or marijuana or anything like that. And then like, oh, yeah, you know, because that's one of the questions in the, in the reference questionnaire. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, you smoke weed back in high school. Mm, okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, uh, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't know about that. With regard to um, to exes, what what we were talking about too is that when you have uh, somebody that badmouths you, there mm-hmm. there are people that say, "Well, I'll ask. I'll ask them. Is there anybody else that can corroborate what you're saying that can say the same things?" And if somebody tells me something like, "Yeah, I told my mom about it. You told well, your no. you know that <laughs> no. Is there anybody no. who saw the yes. candidate who saw?" Not just third-party information. We're going to try and follow up as much as possible. But as as far as yes. the agencies that you worked for, if you got mm-hmm. one person saying one bad thing, I mean, something bad about really bad-mouthing the candidate, uh, the agencies that you worked for, are they no. going to DQ them? No, I mean, you know, we have to investigate that further. We can't just say, okay, one person's going to ruin it for them. Yeah, you yeah, know? I um, agree. I think it's our due diligence to interview further you know, or investigate that further and ask other people because maybe they have a problem with this one person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I, don't mean I mean, you know, sometimes family members don't get along. Right. That's just the truth. Right. And like you said, you can't pick your family, but, or what if this family member has had, you know, issues with law enforcement and they can't stand law enforcement. So they're trying to mess it up yeah. with this one person. So, you know, you, it's our job as investigators to do our job and investigate that further. And there was a there was a time going back to what we were talking about earlier about you know having one interview and one person sink a whole background based on one interview. I had mm-hmm. a I had an exception to that in that the candidate told me he you know there was no problems we had a, you know we we got divorced whatever there were no issues so I went and I talked to the wife and she was really hesitant to talk to me and I go oh no that's fine everything's confidential candidate won't find mm-hmm. out what we talked about but you know. It's one of those things where, you you know, if someone's going to say, you'll go with an open mind. You're not going to go, yeah. oh, if you have anything bad to say, tell me. And I sat with her and she started detailing domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And then she started crying. And then I could tell that she was visibly shaken as she recounted everything. And then she was still scared. <laughs> she was scared. She just reliving the interview. And so it took everything out of her to do the interview with me. The reason I, I bring this up is because I knew. She wasn't making this up, right? And I, I had to document it. So that's one. That's one incident where you, if the background investigator really feels like this person is a righteous interview and they're not mm-hmm. making stuff up, that that's the that's the exception for me where I don't really think I need another. And I I may have interviewed. I think her mom was there because when I did in home interviews with mm-hmm. with people of the opposite sex. 
I would always have somebody, a neighbor would come over or I would meet them somewhere. I would never do it in the house alone. So I think maybe her mom was there. I interviewed the mom too. And she goes, yeah, she's been going through this. I mean, she does not like talking about him. And at that time, that third party, yeah, that was where I just said, yeah, this is this, yeah. this one interview is going to do it. I agree with you. And one of the questions I would ask is like, did the police ever respond? Was there a restraining order, you know, or an emergency protective order? Because those are documents that you can get from the courthouse. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had to do that, you know, and, you know, people will tell you, people will tell you and family will tell you, like I had a uh, candidate. I was done with this kid's background. I mean, I really liked this kid, grew up in, Baldwin Hills had a rough back uh, upbringing. Parents were drug addicts. Grandparents raised them. I mean, I really liked this kid. And I was about to turn in his background when I got a call that he had raped his cousin. Mm. An anonymous call. And I was like, whoa, okay. You know, and I said, you know, this person, I was like, do you think the victim will talk to me? And she was like, I don't know. I can ask her. You know, and I said, OK, well, I go, please ask and let me know. And they, she provided additional information that I was able to follow up on. And uh, I was able to obtain some information, but not the victim never talked to me. She never called me. So because he was a male and we were going to be talking about sexual content and stuff, I actually had a male a background investigator when I called him back to interview the candidate mm. and basically put him on the spot. I had a male investigator sit there with me because, you know, I didn't want to be a female investigator Mm -hmm. talking with a male candidate about sexual stuff. Mm -hmm. You always want to have somebody of the same sex when it comes to, you know, stuff that's a little, um, a little, you know, yeah, can be a little embarrassing for people to talk. You know, guys don't want to talk to women about sexual stuff. And I get that. But and I I basically I was like, look, we're all adults here. I go, you're not going to tell me anything I haven't heard. You know, as a police officer, I've conducted many investigations, you know, both for male and female regarding sexual stuff. And I just, you know, that's why I have a male off male investigator here as well. And I just be upfront with me, you know, and um, he ended up copying to it. He almost thought he got away with it. And I was literally this kid was on the list. He was ready to I was done with his investigation. I literally was like mm. ready to hand it in when this call came in. And I was like, oh, I hate know? it when and that I was happens. like, and I've never had anything that serious <clears throat> become an issue. And I was just like, no, this is not something I can, you can't ignore that. You mm-hmm. can't. Mm-hmm. What if this guy becomes a cop and then ends up raping the, somebody on the job? Like you, yeah. you, know, you can't, that's a liability, right? For the yeah. department. So it was one of the, that's one of the situation that kind of stands out and, you know, he didn't get the job obviously, (laughs) but, but, um, and you, you remind me, you remind me of a very good point in that if you are in a background and you have like a really touchy subject, I mean, the candidates that come in, you'd be surprised background investigators hear everything. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing that's off limits to the background, nope. including, you know, things like sexual abuse and child abuse yes. and things that mm-hmm. are traumatic to you. The background of this, it, it's not like, oh, we don't have to talk about that. 
we do have to talk about it because it's part of your background. Yes. And if you if you're in a background interview and for some reason there's something that's really really touchy and you want to have another person there or you want to maybe if you're a female and you want to talk to you want to have a female in the room or maybe I I would I would call female investigators into the room with me if I felt as soon as a, a back a, a candidate would start talking to me about stuff that was real intimate I would say, hold on, and I would get a, a female investigator in, in the room and have her sit down with me if it was a female. Or I didn't have a problem with going, would you like, would, do, you, do you want me to still be in here or do you want to have a female investigator uh, finish this part of the interview? And most, I mean, I never had anybody go, no, I feel more comfortable with a female, but I would yeah. offer. So if you're a female candidate or even a male candidate, yes. and for some reason you feel like, oh, I just... This is really, it's going to be real difficult it's in the very first uncomfortable. place. It's very uncomfortable. Yes. And you want to speak to someone of the same sex or something like that, then you can do that. I, I yes. don't have a problem with that. We're not trying to embarrass yeah. you or bring up bad stuff. And mm -hmm. um, so that's what I, I just want to throw that out there. It just reminded me of the times that I've had to stop an interview because, it can't, man, sometimes the candidates, you'd bring, you'd start talking about stuff. And then the candidate would start break down crying because yes. now the candidate. they're reliving. Yes. They're reliving all this trauma, right? And, and it's like you're a therapist, right? But you're trying to calm them down. But at the same time, you got to get this information. And it sucks because you don't want them to relive this. No, you don't. But this is information you need to write down and document, you know? And so, yeah, I've been in, I've been in those situations too. And I, you know, usually it's a female so I haven't had many male victims, but in this case, you know, where my candidate ended up being a suspect, yeah, I was like, I want a male investigator in here with me. And not, not only that, but also because, you know, sometimes as an investigator, you're writing notes and you're not seeing their demeanor. Mm -hmm. So I wanted another pair of eyes to look at his demeanor and how he was acting. And I wanted them to write notes too, mm -hmm. you know, just to, track like okay when when he you're writing notes he was doing this and he was doing that you know another set of eyes never hurts definitely if you find yourself in, in a background investigation interview and you're starting to talk about something that's uncomfortable if you want another person there ask right and they should grant that this that request yeah it should not be an issue there's nothing wrong with that the purpose of the background is not to traumatize people or bring up you know things that that are traumatic but but on the on, a, on another side of it, it when you become a police officer you're going to be in that same position where mm -hmm. you have to have you have to be very very sensitive to I've interviewed children sexual abuse victims women who were who were raped yes. an hour ago and mm -hmm. and I and I always ask the you are you okay talking to me and, and I've never had anybody tell me that, no, I feel very, they've told me, I feel very comfortable with you. So as a police officer, you're going to have to, you're going to have to do the same things, but yeah, I just wanted to touch on that. You, you brought that up and I'm like, yeah, this is, this is, I can't think of how many times candidates have broken down crying, reliving parts of their background that they don't want to revisit. They don't want to, but unfortunately it is part of their background and it does come up. Yeah. In in closing, I just want to touch on a on a on a few things. There, one thing is that we talked about the credit report uh, that we're going to mm -hmm. review your credit report. Some agencies, 
some BIs. I mean, there's like all these codes on the credit report. And for me, I would look at, are you in collections or are you not? But some BIs that would go, oh, this code means you were 30 days late here. And this code means this. (laughs) I would never get into it. You're either paying your bills or you're not for me. Oh, I I was that investigator. (laughs) (laughs) So you know all all the credit codes? I do. I had a cheat sheet. Oh, okay. That cheat sheet that I got from the FICO people or whoever it was. Yeah, right. Um, it had like R11 or, you know, F something. Yeah, yeah, yeah it would yeah. tell you like how many how many months they're late. And I want to know like, okay, why are you late? Like, why aren't you paying your, your bills? Mm-hmm. You know, are you living above your means? You know, if you have like $10,000 credit card and you make like $1,000 a month, like what's going on here? Yeah, and <laughs> so... Student loans, you know, I mean, student loans is kind of like whatever student loans, medical bills. That was another thing. Right. Right. But that kind of like, you know, I mean, if you don't have health insurance, I mean, that kind of I wouldn't really ding people for that. But if you have credit cards because you're just shopping at Victoria's Secret or Macy's, it's like, okay, (laughs) you're just being irresponsible here. You're just spending more than you make. And that's a personality thing. (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) So definitely collections and charge offs. Are, are going to be a DQ. Yes. The yes. thing about charge-offs is that, you know what, guys, don't get a charge-off because charge-offs are one of those interesting things that you can't pay off a charge-off. A charge-off means that they they tried and tried and tried and tried to get you to pay it. You went to collections, you gaffed them off, you didn't pay it, and eventually they had to write it off. That's what a charge-off is. Now, the thing about charge-offs, they, yeah. they took a loss, and so they take it on a on a tax they take a tax loss so once you do that you can't accept the money back like you can't go three years later and say oh now i want to be a cop so i want to pay my charge off they're going to go we already took the hit for it we're not going to accept your money now and so the charge off won't go away so at all costs avoid a charge off but it will be in your credit report (laughs) it'll be in your credit report tax liens will be in your credit report yes so you can't have stuff in there we're not going to be foreclosures yeah foreclosures (laughs) all that kind of stuff or repos car repos Repos, um, bks will be in there. there um Mm-hmm. And uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna look at everything, and we don't the credit reports that that BIs get don't have FICO scores like you you have eight hundred something on your score. We don't do that, um, and so. But the other, another thing I want to bring up too with regard to credit is that is that an investigator like Minerva is going to look at your credit report and go, "You were thirty days late. You were thirty days late." And then later on, there's a, there's questions in the PHS that say, "Have you ever been behind in your debt and been and gone gambling? Did you go to yes. Vegas while you were while you were spending overspending? That's not mm-hmm. good. That that'll yeah. lead to DQ. So that's important about that. As far as as far as the um, one, the last thing I want to touch on is record checks. What is a record check, Minerva? As far as uh, what do you what do you do when it comes to record checks? Well, you know, I would contact, I would send a letter to the, to the records department of the agencies where law enforcement agencies where the candidate lived, went to school, work, campus police, if you lived on campus. Right. Uh, I would also contact the housing department, mm-hmm. you know, were there any, because sometimes they may have issues with the housing department, but you know, the campus police didn't actually respond. So I would, you know, did they pay on time? Were there any issues with their roommates? So I would, it was a questionnaire saying like, hey, has this person ever had contact with with your agency? And if so, you know, what was it for? And sometimes it would just kind of be generic. They would say like, oh yeah, this person got this citation. 
well, I want to know what the citation was for, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, or they got pulled over or whatever, or the police responded to the residents for this reason or what, what, you know, just a report. If it's just like a theft report, that's not going to be an issue. But if the police are constantly going to your house because there's parties at your house, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's a problem. Or if you were arrested. I had a candidate. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I had a candidate. <laughs> Another guy. Um, he was a, for a civilian for a civilian position. And um I found out, I don't even remember how I found out, but I found out that he had gotten arrested for domestic violence. Mm-hmm. He had lived with his girlfriend and they got into an argument and there was a little push, push, push here. And I found out from the sheriffs that. I think I did. The sheriff notified me that they had gone that that his name was in their in their system, but they wouldn't tell me why. So, you know, it's hard to get information. It's actually hard to get information for civilian positions than it is for sworn. Right. Right. So I contacted that sheriff's station and I called a records lady and I said, hey, you know, this is what's going on. This is what I'm doing. I'm doing a background on this person. Here's the waiver. I faxed it over to her or I think I emailed it to her or whatever. And she calls me back like 20 minutes later. She's like, oh, no, this person should not be uh, uh, should not be employed by law enforcement. (laughs) And he had been um, investigated for statutory rape. Oh, and the detective had gone to his house. She gave me a copy of the detective's report. And I asked him and he denied that the police came to his house. I I brought him back in for an interview you know, and uh, a clarification interview. Right? I brought her in and I was like, hey, I go when I when we did your interview, you mentioned that police had never been to your house and that you'd never been investigated. He's like, no, I'm like, are you sure about that? And listen, when your investigator asks you, <laughs> are you sure about that? We already know the answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he's like, no. And I said, so I put the police report in front of him and I was like, this is your name. This is your address. This is your driver's license number. This is all your information. A detective interviewed you at your house. I don't remember that. <laughs> I said, okay. I love that. If you don't remember, you don't remember. And that's what was documented, you know, and, you know, we will always find out. So I would always, this is what I would do when I was done with my interview, reviewing all of the personal history and everything, the PIQ, everything. And, you know, our interviews were recorded, right? I would always ask, is there anything that we have not discussed that you feel we should discuss or is there anything that we discuss that you feel we need to discuss further? No, <laughs> anything, usually no, <laughs> anything, everything we covered, right? No. Okay. So I'm not going to find any other information outside of what we've spoken, but no. Nope. Okay. <laughs> and then I would tell them, I would ask, do you feel you've been treated fairly during this interview? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, cool. That it, Time, whatever time it was, end of interview. That was it. Walk them out. You know, oh, here's another thing. I would make my candidates take notes. I would give them a notepad. So like this, if there was information that additional information I requested of them, they made a note and I would copy their notes. So like that we were both on the same page as to what I needed. And I would make them sign and date it at the bottom. So this way they can say, oh, you didn't tell me that I needed to bring this. No, these are your notes. I photocopied your notes. (laughs) (laughs) You can't tell me (laughs) that I didn't tell you. I didn't notify you. So yeah. But anyway, records checks. Yeah. I would just contact their whatever agencies. Also, you know, wherever they applied because we had to go look at their 
important, their background file. Important, yes. important. Now, for for me, the way I learned was that you could come in on your PHS and have thirty applications, and depending mm-hmm. on what state you came from, even California. You can go to these websites and fill out one application and then go click, click, click all the boxes. And it goes to, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of different agencies. I hate it, NeoGov. <laughs> <laughs> NeoGov. And so how does a background investigator determine whether they're going to do an in-person check on a... How, how did you decide whether you're going to go to that agency and review something? For me, usually you had to contact that city's or the HR, that department's HR, right? And they would tell you whether or not there was background information forms or background forms completed. If there were background forms completed, I was going to go see it in person mm-hmm. if it was local, right? I mean, actually, I've gone as far as down to San Diego and Santa Barbara mm-hmm. to do, to review background files. You know, once it's further Usually background investigators, you know, it's a big network of background investigators. And if it was out of state, you know, I do a phone interview with the background investigator and that's for that agency. I've done that, too, where we do it over the phone and we go over it through the over the phone. You know, I send them the waiver, I email them the waiver and then we discuss it. And it wasn't done in person, but it was done with the, with the background investigator mm-hmm. or somebody in the background unit. But if my candidate had completed any background forms I want to see it in person. I want to go see what you've, you know, because, and I would compare and sit there. Okay. They told me no, no. Oh, they say yes here. What's up with that? Mm-hmm. They told me no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and the, you know, you want to look at the polygraph report too from the polygrapher, right? What did they say here? Narcotics. How many times did they tell this person? How many times did they tell me? Depending on the discrepancy or how big the discrepancy was, dependent whether or not I was going to address the issue. Right. Usually, you know, you don't make a big deal unless it's something big. I think the rule of thumb. <laughs> so here's the rule of thumb for me for to do to do checks. If you have an application only, the department is going to send out questionnaires to all the police background units. And they're going to ask you, mm-hmm. they're going to have they have these generic check boxes. Person has a PHS, person was a DQ, blah, 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 whatever. And they're going to send it back. And then I'm going to look at all those responses. And if you have an application only, I'm not going to waste my time. That was just, that's not the PHS. If you have a PHS or PIQ, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to look at those. If you have a DQ, I'm definitely going to go look. And if it's out of state or something like that, I'm going to call the, I'm going to call them and I'm going to review that and find out what the DQ was, but I'm basically going to go over. And it's like in the beginning, we were talking about the PHS. When Mm -hmm. I review your PHS or your PIQ with another agency, whether it's in person or telephonic, I'm going to go over those, those DQ parts. Do you have anything in there that's how many times did you use dope? How many times, blah, 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 whatever, their employment says, have they ever been fired? So I'm going to go over just with them only on DQ stuff. I'm not going to, because if I had to sit down with every agency oh, yes. no. filled out a PIQ, a PHS with, holy cow, that's be a pain. The so, other thing I would ask is um, what other agencies have reviewed their file? Because sometimes candidates will not tell you all the agencies they apply to. Yep. And see, that's the thing. They have to leave a copy of that waiver. So sometimes when you review that file, you start seeing waivers from other agencies that the candidate didn't tell you they applied to. Right. And if they're looking, if their waiver's there, that means you filled out background forms with that agency. So I want to go contact them and find out, wait a minute, how far did this person get into your background? And can I make an appointment to come take a look? Yeah. Don't try and hide yeah. stuff. Another little mm-hmm. thing that, that people should know 
is you shouldn't be trying to hide stuff in your background investigator. I, I would tell people all the time, is there anything you want to tell me? You know how you said, is there anything you want to tell me? Mm-hmm. Is there anything you want yeah, to tell thing. me? They didn't realize that, that when you take fingerprints for a job, oh, yeah. for a job, you're, yeah, we you, find out. <laughs> it shows up on your. It shows up on your history uh, for your fingerprints. Mm-hmm. We it, and it'll say fingerprinted app only on the yeah. criminal and history. That, and that's only been for the past couple of years because there was a period where that wasn't part of the fingerprint results. But then it became, and I was like, oh great, now we know exactly where they got fingerprinted. Yeah, yeah. So and Ken, I don't know. I just want to bring something up mm-hmm. in regards to uh, reviewing files. I don't know if you get a lot of laterals or not, but. I've done lateral backgrounds and I would contact our department's IA, Internal Affairs Department. Oh, yeah. Because I want to go see if they had any IAs, any shootings, any, you know, stuff. So I would look at their background file and their disciplinary file if there was one. Yeah, definitely laterals. I've done a lot of laterals. I do consultations with laterals as well. So that is one thing that they're going to, if there's an an IA and, Mm -hmm. um, or if there's an like if you work at a college, you work at somewhere that's kind of pseudo law enforcement, they're going to have mm-hmm. investigations and things like that. And we're going to check into those as well. I think we did a pretty decent job of covering as much as we could. I think we covered as much. The only thing I don't think we covered was driving. Make sure you have insurance all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Auto insurance all the time because we would document the periods that you didn't and we want to know why. Because by law, you're required to have insurance. Yeah. Uh, This came up during one of my consultations a few days ago, is that your car needs to live where that insurance policy says the car lives. So if you are kind of um, getting a discount to your parents, but they live Mm -hmm. a couple of zip codes away... That's not, that's not going to make it for us, <laughs> you yeah. know? The only time I was a little lenient with that was college, you know, college kids, oh, yeah. they live college. on campus and stuff. And here's another thing. So with Glendale, we would take pictures of the candidates' cars. We would tell them to pull it up in front of the station. And if they had tinted windows or any equipment mm. violations, you had to fix those. Oh, you were bad. Yeah, please be, yeah, please be aware of the stickers you put on your cars. <laughs> some, <laughs> some very questionable stickers people put in their cars, and you're like, you're driving your car with that sticker. You know, like you're like, what? Do you you got to remove that. You got to remove the tint, <laughs> or you know, you modified exhaust, or anything like. That. <laughs> you yeah. got to fix all these equipment violations. Now, I wouldn't. I wouldn't so. take pictures of the cars. I it's, didn't do that with LA, but I did do it with Glendale because that was part of our background process. <laughs> Yeah, and I think somebody like a like a um, a, high, a highway patrol, they're going to be all all mm-hmm. over that too. So if you don't have your car stuff together, you need to do that. Good interview, good good episode, and I think uh, our candidates will uh, our 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 fans will get a lot out of this. This is a really insightful for me. I've mentioned before I've reviewed PHSs all over the U.S. and Canada, and the PHSs are all the same. The methods that the BIs use to do backgrounds are basically the same. They're going to have a lot of the same requirements. Um, some agencies, and I know, for instance, federal, some agencies mm-hmm. do not do things the same. So no. <laughs> I know, I know, just just with regard to federal backgrounds. They're not the same. And we're going to try in the future, we're going to try and get a federal background investigator on to kind of give us the lowdown on how the feds do their backgrounds. Yeah, I'm interested in that myself. (laughs) Yeah. I'm curious. I mean, I know someone who went through a federal background, but it was a lot different. I know I never got contacted. 
You know, I mentioned to you, my ex-husband, when he had to go on a task force, the FBI did a background. They didn't contact me, but they contacted my mom. Yeah. (laughs) Because they want to know the mother-in-law will say (laughs) yes. That's weird. But they didn't contact you. And I, they didn't contact me. And I talked to, yeah. I get questions about top secret security backgrounds. And, and I, I was told yes. recently it took them two years to do my top secret background. And I, there's no background investigation that takes two years. <laughs> it just doesn't yeah. take well, that long. So that's what my ex husband, because he was um, going into the Joint Terrorist Task Force. This is after 9 11. Mm. So he was joining the FBI task force. And so he had to get. You know, they did a polygraph. They did. I mean, they did everything, but not contact me. <laughs> you, they didn't <laughs> want to talk I was like, to Wait you. a minute. They didn't. I guess I don't know. They didn't want to talk to you. Figure. His wife's a cop. She's not going to say anything. No, I'm not talk but, to you. It's not important. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. But I hope. I think you know. Even though it's a little longer episode, I'm sure we covered a lot of things, and yeah. I think a lot of this will be helpful and probably answer a lot of questions that people may have. And you know, we touch on some subjects, other subjects that. People may not touch like, you know, if you want, if you feel uncomfortable and you want another investigator to come in there, mm-hmm. then, you know, you, that's your right. You have a right to do that. Yeah. You know, you should always be comfortable. It should not be a background investigation should not be in a comfortable situation unless you're lying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, this is what I would tell my candidates. The truth always comes to light. We'll find out. The truth always comes to light. <laughs> We're always going to find out. So you're just better off being upfront about it. And that actually is to your benefit. Mm-hmm. Because if I find out things not from you, then what else are you hiding? Right. Right. You know? And please don't blame your background investigator because you didn't pass a background. It's your background. You yeah. decued yourself. You decued me. No, you decued yourself. Your I just documented background. the background. <laughs> your background decued you. All right. Well, that'll cover that'll cover this interview. Well, thank you guys. Don't forget, uh, you can support us on the podcast. You can get a hold of me or at the end of the um at the episode uh, descriptions, there's links, but another enjoyable topic that we're going to cover. And we're going to be uh, back uh, with another episode in a couple weeks. All right. Thanks, Minerva. All right. Bye. <laughs>